Hello, and welcome to Parking Thought, the Internet's only podcast recorded from the intersection of Curiosity Trail and Gratitude Lane. Around here, we start our episode titles with and, just because we can. The windows here in the studio face the rolling hills of gratitude, and just beyond the hills lie all the good in the world, from the extraordinary to the everyday. My name is Jacob, and I'm glad you're here today. Let us know you're listening by tapping the like and subscribe button, or leave a comment wherever you happen to find us. In this edition, we're going to be talking about a lot of things, because there's a lot of change. COVID is changing people's lives, and there's a lot of things I've been exposed to. This episode is, as you will notice, I normally get an episode out every day. I am recording this on Wednesday, the 25th of March, and I didn't have an episode out this morning. Last night I got sick. And it was interesting getting sick because um, with all the news and information about COVID, you would think that that might be what I have, but I don't think that's the case. I've got a mild fever. My throat's about as scratchy as it normally is, and I feel like I can breathe. So this is definitely not the COVID, but it is something where it's like easy to get scared. And you know, being scared is going around right now. There's a lot of it. And when that happens, it can distract us from the good things that are going on. So I'm going to talk about a few of these, and this might be a longer episode because of it. But I hope that it'll add value in your life, and I hope it was worth waiting a day for me to be able to compose myself and put it together. So one of the things I'm seeing in the people I work with is that there's a lot of change in their life. The things that they had been relying on and planning their life on aren't there. My parents have had to cancel several trips, and the opportunity to meet with friends that they'd been looking forward to seeing after over a year and a half, two years. And that's not happening. Another set of my friends was planning on taking her family for spring break down to Mexico. All the trip was planned. They had tickets bought. They were looking forward to spending time on the beach, disconnecting and wondering what day of the week it was. You know, when you get to that point in the holiday where you don't know what day of the week it is because you're just that relaxed. That was what she was looking forward to. And that got canceled. And then on top of that, we're seeing a huge shift to being inside, not seeing other people. And a lot of other things that go along with that. You can kind of get stir crazy in your walls. I saw a great meme today where somebody said, you know, it's day six of quarantine and now I understand why the animals are so keen to run out of the house whenever the doors open. And, you know, we all feel a little bit of that. Now, the other thing that's happening right now that is kind of something to keep an eye on is there's a huge shift in the economy right now, just in general. People aren't eating at restaurants because they're not going out. They're not enjoying those social experiences. Now, the reasons for not doing that are pretty obvious. But what that does as far as things like your food supply goes is it changes the entire market structure, right? Remember, the market is so responsive to so many different things. It's absolutely wonderful. And it responds to where the needs are. So the needs that we've built up over decades and lots of years have been, you know, identified in that restaurant industry. And now that shopping, that demand from consumers isn't in that space anymore. It's on the retail side. It's on the grocery store side. And so that whole retail apparatus has to develop its capacity to be able to respond. And it's having a hard time keeping up. We can talk about shortages of items like toilet paper and hand sanitizer and a few other things, and those are definitely real, but there's more market indicators in that whole process. 
And this is where I want to communicate something that may be a little bit controversial to the audience and may not be very popular, and that is price gouging. I'm a fan. I'm a huge fan. Because what it does is it's all temporary, right? All of the prices for anything that we ever buy are always temporary. They're never static. We may think they are, right? And sometimes they may artificially be constructed as static. So for example, a grocery store, uh, grocery stores have gotten really good. They always put the milk in the back because they know you're going to walk past more stuff on your way to go get the milk. And they might keep the milk at a lower price because they know that you're going to go in there to get that. And then while you're there and walking by all the other things, they might, you know, you might pick more of those things up. So they might keep the price of some items artificially lower so that way they can get you into the store based upon what's going on. It's the same way with sales. Well, something similar happens with the price of things when they go up. So for example, hand sanitizer right now. Hand sanitizer is in high demand. And if the price were to go up to 10 or 15 or $20 a bottle, what that would do is that would indicate to people who have the ability to make hand sanitizer that they could do so and make a profit. Because remember, it's not really the sustained cost that's hard. It's a lot of the investment cost to retool your staff and your equipment and machinery to be able to create those products. That retooling cost, right, could be covered very quickly if the prices were high enough. And then at the end, once you got to the sustainment model and prices and competition drove the and competition were to drive the price down, you'd be able to get to the point where that sustained model has more players in the market and more ability to meet a wider demand. And that's a good thing. So when I see the governor of the state of Idaho, where I happen to be living, talk about how he's hoping that price gouging doesn't happen and that he doesn't have to enforce it with the rule of law, I think maybe he needs a class on economics and understanding how economic demand works. Yes, there will be price gouging, and when that happens, some people will not be able to afford it. But in general, because there's price gouging, more people will produce whatever is at a higher cost. It's a good thing, and we need to support it. We need to, you know, not necessarily do it ourselves if we have the ability to be generous, but if it's happening, let it happen and let it happen in its course. Now, I don't have a problem, well, the problem I have in general in that market equation is if the government were to do something about it. But I don't have a problem if private industry does something about it. For example, Amazon has come out and said that they will not support people who are selling goods beyond a reasonable price, right, for the current emergency. So Amazon, as a private company, is saying, hey, we're not going to allow price gouging. That's Amazon's choice. They're welcome to do that. They're welcome to play in the game of economics and the free market however they want to. And a free market means free to choose, right? Not that you get stuff for free. They're free to make that choice with their platform that they've set up that people are using. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the voices that price gouge. I'm grateful for Amazon for being against it as a private entity, right? And I'm grateful for the governor of Idaho for discouraging it with his words so far and hopefully not discouraging it with the force of law. It's a terrible thing to ask police officers and other folks to get outside at this point and discourage behavior that's not necessarily immoral, right? But it does happen to be illegal. And that can be a bit frustrating at times. Well, I hope we don't have your blood boiling on that. I want to get on to other subjects. And I want you to see in these other subjects, just like this one with price gouging, that there are good things with what's happening. And well, let's go to the next thing. So recently, and this is a fun story for me to tell, um, I was asked to fill out the census. 
I got a thing in the mail, it said go to a website, and I was supposed to fill out the census. So I go to fill out the census, and I'm excited, right? We're going to count up how many Americans are in the country, and I'm going to tell you that I have six people in my home, right? Because if we look and just read the Constitution, right, the, the supreme law of the land, it says that the government is supposed to be able to provide a census to know how many people are in, you know, the country. And so I'm excited that I get to tell them there are six people in my home. And so I went to go fill out the census and I go to the website and it asks me what my name is. Well, that may not sound like a problem to you or me. I mean, the government already knows my name. I'm not really scared of that, but they actually don't need my name to do the census. They just need a number. They only need a number of how many people are in my home. So I kept hitting the next button and then it decided to tell me that I couldn't fill out the census anymore. So, oh darn, the census isn't getting filled out for my house this year because, well, I didn't think they needed my name. They shouldn't be asking for it. There's no legal justification for it. You only need a number at the end of it. Now, I am grateful. I told this to my dad. And we do family history. And one of the great sources for family history and who's living with whom and how lives are connected and whatnot has been the censuses from the 1800s and early 1900s. That is a great repository of information of humankind. And I'm grateful to have it out there. But back in the day, we needed somebody like the government to be able to create and store such a large database of who we, who we are as human beings. And today we live in a society where there's so much information about us and it's so well documented that we get scared about how much information is documented about us and where we live and all those other things like that. And so we don't have the need for the government to track that sort of thing anymore. We have that through other means. And again, we can go back to what the census was designed. The census was designed so you would have a count of all the people in the country. So that way you could determine the number of representatives to have in Congress. Now, back in the day when James Madison built this thing, right, and wrote out the Constitution, the ratio was 1 to 30,000. One person in Congress for every 30,000 Americans. Well, there's 330 million plus Americans in the country. And I'm not good at math, but I... I typed a few numbers into a calculator and when I divided it up, you know, 330 million by three or by 30,000, I got 11,000. Right now we're supposed to have 11,000 representatives in Congress, but because of a law passed in 1929, we don't. We only have 435. And that's not a very diverse body. We have 330 million Americans out there. 330 million Americans with different ideas, different thoughts, different ways of solving problems. And our representation is capped at 435. And the way our judicial system works is that you have to be harmed in order to challenge a law. But who's going to be harmed by the fact that they've capped the number of representatives? It can be a completely unconstitutional law, but if nobody has standing to take that to court, it can't go anywhere. And that can get pretty frustrating. But let's remember that what's frustrating about it to me is that we have 330 million diverse voices doing what they see as right in their own space, right? And wanting to be represented by a government. And now we have a government response at different levels and in different ways to what's going on. That government is so minimal in the whole scheme of things. They are not very powerful. Remember, there's only 435 people in Congress. And yeah, they may have authority to be powerful and, and that sort of thing. But what's way more powerful is the fact that just in America alone, 
We have 330 million people, diverse voices, looking at this situation and making the best choice they see with their lives. A lot of us are staying at home. And a lot of others aren't because they feel that the risk and the reward factor justifies whatever activity they're doing. And I'm okay with that. There are people out here that still need to build houses. There are people out here that still need to lay roads. And those are industries and jobs where you tend to be separated. There are people that still need food to be made. You know, I want restaurants to stay open as much as possible, as long as they're meeting a market demand. There is a lot of beautiful things happening in the world. And it's not going to make the news. It'll probably make a podcast, maybe like this one, maybe like some other one. But it's happening. You know, and this brings me up to a good point with uh, one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. It shows up every week and I get a chance to listen to it. And that is uh, the I See Old People podcast by Dr. Bruce, right? Dr. Bruce has had to shut down his practice in Canada. And I love Canada and I love Canadians. I think they're wonderful. Last week we got to have uh, Brent, who's a photographer in Canada on the show. I've married a Canadian. My father-in-law has a microphone that I've loaned him and hopefully he'll be able to record a few episodes and share them with this podcast because, oh boy, does he love to talk. And he's got this great presentation speaking voice and he has some stories to share and years of experience looking for good things in the world. So I really do hope that Tom shares with us. Well, Dr. Bruce has been mentioning how he started off this podcast talking about what it was like to get old and what was going on. And, and he thought he'd be sharing, oh, I found a mole. And then, you know, we have to go test if it's skin cancer and what, what that's like. And, and he feels like his podcast has been consumed with COVID-19, you know, topics. And, you know, when he's recording them, that's what he's hearing. When I'm listening to them, I'm hearing something else. I'm hearing a man who's dealing with the challenges in his life at this stage that he wasn't prepared for. And guess what? Well, I mean, like wasn't prepared for in the sense that we didn't imagine this happening. You know, I don't think anybody did. And it's okay to be experiencing something new when you're 60 years old. What's also really neat is that his son has come back and now he's got a grown adult living back in his house again. And, and so it was really ironic for me to listen. I, I, was, I was literally talking to him on uh, the, the stereo when I was listening to his episode this morning in the car. And it was, obviously, you can't hear me, right? You know, so it's it's like talking to the television. So I'm listening to it, and he's talking about how his son's coming home, and he's talking about how he wished he could talk about normal things that, uh, you know, seniors, that happen to seniors when they when they turn 60. And I'm like, Dr. Bruce, what's it like to have a, a kid move back into your house? You know, what is this like? How are you renegotiating boundaries? What do you find that's, that's good in that experience, you know? And he's covering stuff that is normal, but I think he's so focused on the COVID, uh, you know, topic hand, he's missing it. We're missing it. If you're not seeing the good in the world right now, you're missing it. Take a breath. It's out there. There are 330 million Americans doing good. I have seen more people taking walks. I've seen more people outside. I've seen more people spending more family time. I asked my daughter yesterday if we could color my 10-year-old. Hey, can we color? Can you print something for me? She printed off a turtle and her colors are not the coloring book, I, you know, not the colors of, of colored pencils I'd prefer. But she was just thrilled. And so last night, I was shivering because I was dealing with the fever and the hot and cold swings that go with it. And I was miserable, but I was coloring that. And she thought it was the greatest thing ever because she felt like she was taking care of me. That's a memory she's going to have. 
how many more of those memories are we creating now that we're spending more time together? How much more grateful are we that we have one another? How much good is going to come out of this? You know, I, I finished driving my car. I got out of it this morning after listening to Dr. Bruce, and I heard a bird chirp. It was probably just a robin. It was early in the morning. The sun hadn't quite come up yet. And it's springtime here in the Northern Hemisphere. You know, that bird doesn't care about whatever else it is that we're dealing with. It's springtime. And there's things worth celebrating in the springtime. There's things worth celebrating in every aspect of our lives. Ladies and gentlemen, I have been to some really ugly places in the world. And I have been to some really ugly places in my mind. I have spent time sweating in Iraq and Kuwait. I have spent time in Afghanistan. And there are a lot of things that we can do to improve how we see one another as people. This pandemic is helping us see all of the rest of us as people, not those people in Iran who are dealing with this strategy, all right? Not those people who are part of some empire of evil or whatever some politician wants to label them. Those are people. They have families. And boy, now that I'm spending more time with mine, it's a lot easier for me to be compassionate about what they're dealing with. We have an opportunity to unite the world in our response to this like we haven't done in a generation. I'm grateful to be alive during part of this. I'm grateful for all of you that listen. And I'm grateful that we're learning new things. We're learning how to work remote. We're not good at it yet. We're not perfect at it yet. But every day I get to work with people and you can hear the excitement in the voice when they've discovered that they can do something new. And that helps them build the foundation as we establish our new norms in our economy and in our society to be able to do better and operate better and be healthier and happier, right? We take vacation to spend time with family. Now we're spending even more time with family. Why aren't we grateful? Why aren't we just walking around and giving everyone a hug? Um, well, I know why we're not giving our neighbors a hug, but we should be that grateful. And so I hope that whatever social media you guys are using right now, tell somebody else out there how grateful you are they, that they're in your life and how much you care for them. Because we need a little bit of that. We are feeling a little isolated. Um, my work is way less social than it used to be. I used to walk around the building and be able to talk to four or five people and reconnect and learn about what they're doing and develop friendships and relationships to help things move forward. And I don't get to do that right now. I have to do it over calls. They've been good calls. We've been turning on the video and it's been good. But uh, there's something else missing. And there's something else that you can help close in somebody else's life by letting them know that you care. Well, there's more to share, but I think we have space. We have room for more episodes later. And so we'll get to that later in the next episode. Let's wrap this up. This is the part where I tell you that the best way to say thank you for this episode is to share it with somebody that you know. You could share the whole show, all whatever episodes we're at, but that might be too heavy. Why not just share this episode? And if you're going to share just this episode and want to stick around for the long haul, then we're glad you can make it. If you want an easy way to subscribe and you're on YouTube, hit the subscribe link over there. We could always use more YouTube subscribers. 
Now, if you don't want to go to YouTube, go to parkingthought.com, and up at the top you'll see a subscribe link that has all the curated links for the YouTube, the Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and all the rest. And as we close the blinds on our view to the good things in the world, let's remember in a world where you can choose to be anything, why not choose to be grateful? <music>